0: If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The pop on Film, but only real fans, true hardcore fans, would know at least two things, two undeniable truths about us, America's hottest will-they-or-won't-they couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the 100% undeniable totally real fact that you, in your spare time, run an organization that hand-knits bikinis for impoverished third-world strippers. So uh, please tell our listener more. What is the name of your nonprofit, and how are you guys getting the bikinis to the stripper?
1: Uh, well, we are airlifting the bikinis to the strippers and kind of dropping them like propaganda leaflets uh, over various strip clubs uh, throughout the third world. Uh, and it's Bikinis for Bimbos. Um, and we have a, 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 a few good celeb. Brad Pitt is backing the organization you know, so, so thank you, Brad Pitt. Uh, we really appreciate that. And you you don't, you know, you really don't understand the plight of a third world stripper until you have to glue actual leaves to your genitalia. And, you know, I mean, it's okay but it's a lot of work, you know it's a lot of work putting it on there's a lot of pain involved in removing them again um, things of this nature uh, that that most people seem to not consider, yeah, you know, yeah. but we that's we should
0: that's good that's good. I support this organization very much thank you and the second And the second thing that you would know is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to take a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short but strong. It's like a Pokemon. Shap, use History Blast! And so, this week on the old Shapity Shap Shap, we've got a short story about one of the world's most successful and highest grossing movies of all time.
1: Okay.
0: The, The Stewardesses yes funny or silence speaks volume uh this movie
1: no actually because i because i if it's the same movie and it may not be but i've just come across a really great documentary on amazon prime about dick miller uh
0: no not dick miller Not Dick Miller.
1: He was not in this, then fuck this movie. Why are we talking about it? Um,
0: (laughs) This is one of the highest grossing movies ever in terms of budget versus box office grosses. And it is surprising, as I say pretty much every week, it is surprising that more people don't know this story. So uh, to talk about the movie, we need to talk about a name that that I believe we have discussed before on the show. And that we haven't mentioned in a long, long time. We need to talk about the Ciliphant family. Because I don't think people, we have
1: talked about them on the show.
0: I feel I feel like we haven't talked about the family, but I feel like we've mentioned the big name of the family, which is Sterling Silophant. Uh, He was a massively successful advertising executive with Disney and then 20th Century Fox. Before moving into writing, he published over 50 novels and wrote the screenplays for some of the biggest movies of the 60s and 70s and then 80s, including such films as In the Heat of the Night, Charlie, The Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure, And by far his greatest film, Sylvester Stallone's arm-wrestling drama, Over the Top.
1: Over the Top.
0: Not too many people talk about it nowadays, but in the 80s, a lot of custody cases were decided with arm-wrestling. You should see, you know, uh, everyone knows the drama Kramer versus Kramer, but if they just released the Snyder cut of Kramer versus Kramer, you would see that they cut out about 45 minutes of Dustin Hoffman arm wrestling. Yes. In order to get custody of the child. That's just how it was back in the day. Sterling Siliphant was a success, and for the sake of this podcast, I would be remiss. If I didn't mention, and this is why I think we've mentioned him on the podcast before, that Sterling Siliphant is the Hollywood bigwig that Mr. Hal P. Warren bet that led to the creation of the legendary movie Manos the Hands of Fate.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Sterling Siliphant was the one that Hal P. Warren said, Oh, so you think you're hot shit just because you fucking make movies? Anybody can make a goddamn movie. I can make a movie. So that's where the bet came from. Sterling Siliphant was a big hit in Hollywood. And so naturally, Sterling's two brothers, Robert and Alan, also tried their hand in Hollywood as well. Robert ended up writing only two movies, and that's it. He only wrote two movies, and then he gave up on Hollywood. And so a lot of people could say, oh, well, then Robert wasn't a success. However, given that the two movies are The Incredibly Strange Creatures That Stopped Living and Became Mixed-Up Zombies, greatest movie title ever, and The legendary bad film, The Creeping Terror. Oh. I dare say that Robert Silliphant is more of a success than Sterling Silliphant, at least in our eyes. Am I right in that, Bunny?
1: I I would have to agree, yes. Okay. I would have to agree. I I must also point out another great documentary that I saw. I saw the documentary, uh... Concerning the making of the Fantastic Four, the Roger Corman Fantastic yes. Four. And what yes. I what I need to point out really quickly about this movie, because it Ooh. was part of the greatness, uh, it starts off with everybody involved in this movie bitching about it. And bitching how, yeah. oh, we thought that this was going to be a big movie, and we thought that we were going to be famous. And like in the first five minutes, I am like. All these people talking right now. They're all full of shit. They are just all full of shit. And then the movie. And literally that's the first five minutes of the documentary and my reaction. And then the whole rest of the movie is red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, telling these people. This is not going to be a great movie.
0: (laughs) That being said, they still have the best Doctor Doom that has ever been in a movie.
1: Oh fuck yeah! And it's and honestly, it's not really that bad of a movie.
0: Yeah, no, it's not that bad. Not I that mean, bad. if you
1: if you say, uh, well, okay, I'm I am watching boom. a Corman movie, it's not bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, another podcast that I listen to, the Weekly Planet, they just did. Every Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. And that was fun. Uh starting with the Roger Corman one and ending with that weird one that came out a few years ago with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Where they're all like teenagers and whatever. Okay, so Sterling Silophant, huge massive success. Robert Silophant wrote two movies and then gave up. Then there's Alan. Alan Francis Siliphant in the late 60s, he said, all right, I'm gonna try and make movies. But first off, I am not going to try and coast on my family name like Robert, Mr. Incredibly Strange Creatures, who stopped living and became mixed up zombies uh, like like my brother Robert tried to. He was like, oh, look at me. I'm going to make movies. I'm a Siliphant. And uh, Alan didn't want to do that. So Alan Silifant changed his name. Alan Silifant became Al Silman Jr.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. First off, that's that's a cool move on his part. He didn't want to he didn't want to coast on the family name. And secondly, Al was all, look, I'm not I'm not Sterling. I'm not trying to make high-class, award-winning fricking art here. I'm not going into Hollywood so to win awards and to get good reviews. I'm just here to make a few quick bucks. You know? Uh-huh. It, it, the true spirit of Hollywood. And um, to quote the movie Ed Wood, what is the one thing, if you put it in a movie, it'll be successful? Tits. Tits. So Al Silman Jr. sets about making a nudie cutie. But he's not sure how to do it. He, he's not sure what to do. He's like, I'm going to make a nudie cutie. Or maybe I should make a softcore film. Or maybe a hardcore film. Maybe just a dirty... What should I do? Should I, should I go hardcore porn? Should I make it a nerdy cutie? So this is the idea that he comes up with. He makes a softcore movie. But... He'll advertise it like it's a porn. Okay. So the movie was rated X. Not by the Motion Picture Association of America. The MPAA didn't label it X. Al Silman said, Here's a gimmick to draw people into the theater. Let's make it X. Is it X? No. But he said it was X, and that was his money-making idea. And speaking of gimmicks, here was his other money-making idea. Let's, let's do boobs, and let's do sex. And you know what? Fuck it! Let's make it 3D! <laughs> what the hell? Let's just, let's just make a 3D nudie film. So they made a softcore movie about horny stewardesses in 3D, and it cost roughly... to make. Very little plot. Originally, the film was just an excuse to show boobs and stuff, and that would change. That would change. They came up with a poster discussing how it was based on a scandalous novel. There was never a novel. (laughs) (laughs) They're just trying to get people in seats to watch and a not really X-rated softcore film in 3D. Yeah. So, this 3D X-rated movie did so well uh, touring from town to town, theater to theater. The Sort of a dirty, traveling roadshow sort of a thing. They had a couple of different prints of the film, and they would just pass it around, and the director and the writer and whatever would go with the movies, and they'd talk to people, and they'd show it at like dirty theaters and whatnot but the movie toured around touring adult theaters it starts making money it starts making a great amount of money it started making so much money that the filmmakers and the cast who are traveling with the movie they say hey this movie's going so great and we have some money now what if we added two scenes here where this happened What if we filmed and added another scene here? So as the film toured, the filmmakers would get the money that they were making from the tour, film additional scenes and add them to the film. Really? Nice. Yeah, and and this is considered, at least according to IMDB and Wikipedia, the first and only time that this ever happened. So if you saw this, If you were in an audience in San Diego and you saw this film, you might see a different film than the L.A. audience would see, and then that crowd might not see the version that plays in San Francisco. The film did great touring the nation, drawing people in with 3D boobs. It toured America making bank for over two years. And because they kept adding scenes, there were four different versions of the movie traveling the nation at one time.
1: Nice.
0: The movie did so well that Al said, after two years, he said, well, shit, um, this movie is not slowing down. Uh, he also did a special thing. He never came up with a trailer. Okay. He would just put up, he would just put up posters and billboards advertising the film. So, that, so there was never a preview for this. They made previews for it in like the 90s when it started coming out on DVD and this and that. But there was never a preview. It just came from billboards and word of mouth. So Al sees the success that this movie has done for two years. And Al says, okay, I've got another crazy idea what if we remove the softcore stuff and went for an R rating? And they did, and the toned-down R-rated version did amazing in theaters. It would go into regular movie theaters and outperform big-time blockbusters. Nice. And when all was said and done, this $100,000 film made roughly thirty million dollars. One of the most successful movies ever was a 3D fake porno based on a novel that never existed. (laughs) But I didn't even say the amazing part. See, sometimes a trailblazer, a pioneer, someone who is leading the field someone who is thinking outside the box, someone who comes up with something so revolutionary that it changes the game, sometimes those people are only trailblazers who are leading the way because they are outsiders and no one has told them the rules yet. Yes. You know, like, uh, oh, we set out to create an album. How did you create this monumental album? Well, we'd never done an album before and no one told us not to do this yes so 3d movies back in the day during the heyday of 3d movies like in the 50s and whatever the way that they would film it was expensive and complicated in order to make a 3d movie back in the day you would need to have two different cameras running at the same time to film the action and then the movie theater would need two different projectors running these two different films at the same time. And oftentimes they would go out of sync. And oftentimes, you know, it, you know, it, it was difficult and it was expensive and it was time consuming. So when Al Selman went to make The stewardesses, he said, let's make it in 3D. That'll be great. So then he looked at the 3D system. He looked at the 3D camera and he said, this is expensive as shit. No wonder they don't make 3D movies anymore. These cameras are ridiculous, and it's expensive to make. And uh, fuck it, let's let's throw this camera out and see if we can create a newer one.
1: Okay.
0: So Al I like Silman, their chutzpah. Yeah. So what Al Silman and his team did was create a brand new cheap way to make a 3D movie where both of the projections were in one reel. You didn't need two cameras. You didn't need two projectors. Here's just a cheap way to do it. We've come up with this cheap, simple 3D camera, and we're going to be using this for this film, the stewardesses. And and yeah, they invented a new way to do 3D, which became the standard for 3D movies. Nice. Every other 3D movie that you saw from the through throughout the 60s and 70s and 80s, that was all because of Al fucking Silman just saying, "This is expensive as fuck. We're gonna come up with a new thing." Jaws three was filmed with the same shit that Al Silman used just to save a quick buck.
1: Nice.
0: And that is fascinating. This is a an historic film, and I think that. <clears throat> The reason why people don't know about this movie The Stewardess is is because, oh, it has boobs. Yes. But this is one of the most successful movies of all time, and I think that people should know more about it, is what I'm saying. You know, I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I am shocked that more people don't know about this.
1: I agree. I agree. This is This is important stuff.
0: <clears throat> Thank so, you.
1: so has this been one of Maxwell's lessons?
0: No, it is not. You, you have he, he did he did hear about the 3D camera. Okay. I didn't tell him about the boob, but he did hear me talking it over with with, uh, with Natasha. Maxwell considers himself to be an inventor. Uh huh. He's going to be the first successful explorer, adventure cook who's also a god. So,
1: it's good to have goals, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. Good to have goals. Yeah. And that's it for Steve's historic approximations. This time around, join us next week for more uh uneducationally educational fun. And cut on that.